to understand, you know, that the waters that flow before a human being is born are sacred waters because whenever those waters don't flow anymore, that's going to mean that human beings won't exist anymore. You know, we just need to reflect on that. And when we, I think once we think about it, anyone, any human being, then they will uh, appreciate the land that they're on and, and it'll come easy for them to acknowledge the territory. It's, it's not complicated, it's simple. Welcome to this very special episode of Specialty Scoop. This podcast is brought to you by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. Specialty Scoop spotlights what's top of mind for our fellows, from learning to whatever's new in your world, for inspiration, and for a sense of community. I'm Dr. Guylaine Lefebvre. Today, we're so grateful to be exploring land acknowledgements. Over the past few years, we've witnessed that many of our meetings start with land acknowledgements. And now we're asking questions, especially in a virtual environment. Why are we doing these? Are they meaningful to us? How do we make them meaningful for, for ourselves and for our Indigenous partners and our colleagues? Is there a way to do them well? And is there a risk that in not doing them well, I'll actually cause harm? We're going to delve into the meaning of land acknowledgements by going to the source, Elder Albert Dumont has kindly accepted our invitation to be our teacher today. And my colleague, Greg Killo, is joining me. Greg's a senior policy analyst at the Royal College, and his work focuses on health policy and advocacy to advance health equity and the delivery of quality care. And this includes our work with the Royal College's Indigenous Health Team. Thank you. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'm humbled I'm really honored that Elder Albert Dumont has joined us today and that we have the opportunity to learn from him. Elder Dumont is a poet, a storyteller, a speaker in Algonquin traditional teachings. He was born in Kitigan, Zibi. He's published six books of poetry and short stories and children's books. He has provided his wisdom, his guidance, his leadership to too many organizations to list. And he spends his life promoting Indigenous spirituality, healing, and protecting the rights of Indigenous people, particularly young people. And we're so honored and grateful to have you here. Miigwech, and thank you for that introduction. I think I'd like to open this podcast by having you share your land acknowledgement. I'll do that. We acknowledge that the Royal College sits on the unceded, never surrendered lands of the Anishinaabe Algonquin. The people of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation keep well in their circle of life the highest respect for the medicines a key Mother Earth has placed on the land which contribute to cures and healing when sickness comes into the lives of human beings. We humbly express our gratitude also for the waters of the rivers, lakes, and streams of Anishinaabe Algonquin Territory. For the sustenance these waters provide to all our relations, and for what the waters bring towards the healing of people experiencing emotional distress. As people dedicated to promoting wellness through medicine, we recognize that you, as healers, have a responsibility, not just to the value made in the name of your profession, but also to the spirit of Anishinaabe Algonquin Territory to do all possible 
to bring forth the great wisdom you have as human beings when called upon to do so at your work sites. Thank you so much for that. We'd like to get started by talking about and exploring a little bit the importance of land. I've had the opportunity to hear you speak before, and you speak so deeply about the profound connection Indigenous people have to land, your spirituality, your beliefs, your traditions, your spirit, and your creation stories as well. I'm wondering if you could expand on that and tell us a little bit more about why land is so important to Indigenous people and to traditions and practices. Well, we have our creation story. Human beings from all over the the planet have uh, creation stories and they uh, embrace them and they connect those uh, creation stories to their identity and to their culture and heritage. And it's the same with First Nations. So uh, as far as the Anishinaabe Algonquin go, our creation story speaks mostly of a time in the spirit world Whenever uh, Kichi Manitou, the great spirit, had an idea to create something that would become known as a human being. But creator knew that the human beings would be helpless. So creator asked the spirits of the spirit world if they were willing to help the human beings to live. And, and uh, so the, the spirits came forward to make commitments on, on how they would help the human beings to live. As an example, a spirit stepped forward and said, I will help the human beings to live by becoming something that will be known as a maple tree. And the human beings could harvest sap from me and, and boil it and make, make sugar. Another spirit stepped forward and said, I will help the human beings to live by becoming something that will be known as a fish. And I will live in water, and human beings can harvest me from the water, and they could consume my flesh. Another spirit came forward and said, I will help the human beings to live by becoming something that will be known as a, as a blueberry. And I will help the human beings to live by growing at a certain time of the year, and human beings could harvest me from the land. And on and on and on it went until all the spirits had agreed to help the human beings to live. And Creator placed all these things on Turtle Island and throughout uh, wherever on this planet to prepare for the arrival of human beings. And after all these things were established and flourishing, then Creator put human beings. And that's why human beings, that's why the Anishinaabe will always acknowledge these things first, because they know. We know that, that if these things ever fail, if these things ever die off, that we will die too. It's just natural and normal to acknowledge these things. And uh, whenever we start to, if we ever put ourselves uh, first and those things last, well, then uh, the planet's going to be in, in bad shape. Thank you, Elder Dumont. I am so inspired by the story and at the same time humbled I'll share with you that personally, I find an, a land acknowledgement well done is almost a, a time of deep reflection or or a short moment of meditation for all of us to keep us grounded into who we are, where we are, and to give gratitude. Is that the purpose of a land acknowledgement? And is that why we should be doing land acknowledgements? Most definitely. You know, just imagine your, your own home. Let, let's imagine... Uh, a family farm that's been in the uh, family, let's say, for 10 generations, 
or whatever. So the, that farming family has a deep connection with the land. They, they love the land. They love it that their parents and their grandparents and their grandparents' grandparents uh, worked the land, respected the land, and the land produced and the family was able to, to benefit from it. Well, it's the same thing, you know, with, with the uh, territories of the First Nations peoples. We've been stewards of these lands for many, many thousands of years, you know, not just 150 years, but many thousands of years. So it's just uh, makes uh, sense to acknowledge it. If, if you have a house, for instance, and uh, it's your house, you live in it. And if, if people uh, if trespass on it, you want them to know that it's your home. So for myself, I see uh, Algonquin, Anishinaabe Algonquin Territory as a grand house with many rooms. And there's always a room in a house where you receive your visitors. And the Ottawa area is where the Algonquins traditionally uh, receive their visitors. And we expect our visitors to follow our protocols because it's our home. And whenever they enter our home, we expect them to uh, to be uh, honorable and we will treat them well and we expect to be treated well by them, Miigwech. Thank you. And very much, I have to say, I, uh, I've i heard uh, you and other Indigenous uh, elders and, and wise people share with us that, uh, in fact, we're a shared humanity and we're all relatives on this land. And I, I must say, I'm very grateful for how you make us feel connected and and all part of the way forward with immense gratitude for the First Nations who took care of these territories so well that we're able to live, thrive, and grow on them today. Greg, what do you think? This resonates so strongly with me. Again, so grateful for what you're teaching us. And as we're thinking about this idea of shared connection and the creation story that everything on this land was put here by the Creator to help human beings and to help us sustain ourselves, there has to be a deep and profound respect for that. So I think that what sometimes we find people are nervous about when we invite them to share a land acknowledgement is just that. These are folks who might be a great speaker. They're very comfortable talking about their area of expertise and the things that they do every day. But when we ask them to do a land acknowledgement, they don't know where to start and they're worried that they're going to do it wrong. So I'm wondering if you can share with us what to you makes a greater meaningful land acknowledgement and we can encourage those folks to start thinking about this differently. I think it's uh, people need to reflect on what their spiritual beliefs are. I know there are some people who uh, they, they could be really good uh, human beings, but still they don't embrace any spiritual beliefs. But those that do, they should c- connect uh, with their spirit because their spirit will guide them to uh, acknowledge and uh, to show some respect for the lands of the indigenous peoples. We expect that of our visitors, uh, j- just like anyone expects the, the visitors to their homes to be uh, gracious and uh, and not to, you know to conduct themselves in a good way while while they're in the perimeters of your home. So the the same thing with indigenous lands. Uh, at least that's how I see it. You know, whenever we uh, think about about water, for instance, because we all need water, everything needs water. And sometimes I reflect on the fact that, you know, if there comes a day when no, when water is no longer pure and birds die because of it, I know there will rise from the land 
a great mournful cry that will make the mightiest trees tremble because it's it will be the the death song of all the people of this world. For me, that's one of the reasons why we should, as as human beings, respect the territories, respect the waters of the rivers, lakes, and streams, and to and to understand, you know, that the waters that flow before a human being is born are sacred waters, because whenever those waters don't flow anymore, that's going to mean that human beings won't exist anymore. So, you know, we just need to reflect on that. And when we, I think once we think about it, anyone, any human being, then they will uh, appreciate the land that they're on and and it'll come easy for them to acknowledge the, the territory. It's not complicated. It's simple. I really like that uh, that frame of mind. It's not only simple, it's actually essential to our survival. And and there's a link to planetary health, which some some of us may see as a, an innovative way forward. In fact, it was a way of life for our in, Indigenous uh, predecessors. Elder Dumont, you, in your land acknowledgement today, you referred to the connection between the wisdom of physicians and uh, the wisdom of land and forests in particular. How do you see forests connected to our health and to medicine? I could give you an example of a, of a time when I was uh, walking in the forest with uh, 40 high school teachers. And, and we came to a to a place in the forest where there was a, a, a rocky landscape, and there wasn't much topsoil there. But there was five uh, big trees in, in in this small area. There was a a white pine tree, there was a, a white birch tree, a yellow birch tree, a cedar tree, and a balsam fir tree. And all the trees were were doing very well. They they were huge and healthy. And it just dawned on me, you know, I don't know who knows where teachings come from. The spirit of the land gives them at a time when it's unexpected, maybe. But it it came to me to say this to the teachers. I said, uh, take a look at these trees and and they're here in this rocky landscape. We know the topsoil isn't deep here. We know that the roots cannot go deep because of the of the rock. So we know that the roots of the trees reach out and interlock with the roots of the other trees. The pine tree's roots are interlocking with those of the cedar, and those of the cedar interlocking with the yellow birch, and so on. And because the the roots of these trees are interlocked, there could come a big storm and big winds, and the trees don't topple over because they're being supported by the roots of the other trees. And that's the way this country should be. That's the way a classroom should be, or a city, or a province, where indigenous roots interlock with settler roots, and that way no storm will ever topple us down. But we will be strong and unite if we're united and respectful and honoring uh, of each other's traditions and cultures in this country. To me, that's what makes sense. And whenever I think about the medicines of the forest, you know, and I've heard stories from old Algonquin uh, people who who said about the time that the, their baby was dying because of some sickness and how they they took the inner bark of a yellow birch tree and they boiled it they squeezed uh, some of the of the the water uh, into the mouth of the baby and the baby was able to regain his strength 
people knew about otter oil and if if it was warmed up that it could be put in in somebody if somebody had an earache that could be put into the ear and it would uh, cure the earache the the people knew the connection between medicine in the forest and how it could heal human beings you know there, there was no such thing uh, that was useless in, in, among our people i'm told that everything had an honor song there was nothing that creator put here as some kind of a joke everything was here for a reason and the people knew the purpose of every plant every blade of grass every tree you know and they knew the, the animals you know the how the 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 grease from the bear or the otter the, how the partridge uh, flesh is medicine for us they they knew the 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 forest that way is a place of medicine thank you so much for that i've I've heard you talk about those five trees that are interconnected. And to me, it comes back to this idea of our interconnected roots. And we're all strengthened by that. And each of those trees has different needs. They grow with slightly different conditions. We're all on different points in our journey and paths that we're walking as well. But as you said, Indigenous roots are connected to settler roots. We're all strengthened by that. And I think that's something that's really resonating with me. Gilan, how does that resonate with you? So much. And I now feel... I want to do land acknowledgements. I want to take that time. It's not about, I have to do this, how do I do it well? It's actually about, please give me the space so that we can be grateful for the, for the land and for the people who came before us and their teachings. Um, you know, especially in an academic environment in medicine, it could be easy to think that uh, what we're doing now is so much wiser than what we did 50 or 100 years ago. And just to be reminded that there was wisdom through the ages, and it is in part how we got to the place we are now, acknowledging that along the way, we've made significant mistakes, but we have hopefully learned from those mistakes and we move forward in, in a more unified and healthier way for this planet Elder Dumont, any last words for us as uh, as we close this episode uh, of the podcast? Yes, I'd like to for people to know that all things uh, alive were given instructions. To give you an example, the uh, the maple tree was instructed by Creator to produce sweet water. The pickerel, the walleye, as it's also known, was was instructed to lay eggs in a, in a certain moon in the springtime, and that this is a partridge feather fan that I'm holding, and the, the rooster partridge was instructed to do a, a, a drumming ritual every flower moon in the spring, and these things will will be doing will be following the, their instructions for as long as they last. They've been following their, their, those instructions since Creator created them, and they will continue to do it for forever until they no longer exist. But it's more than uh, birds and animals and trees that have been given instructions. Human beings were given instructions as well, but human beings are, are not following their instructions very much. And that's why there's pollution. That's why there's uh, the oceans are dying. That's why the science scientists are saying that if we don't smarten up, this planet is going to die. My hope is that anybody who's listening to this podcast will understand that and uh, start to be a, a little bit more careful, just a little bit more respectful, and go out of their way even to uh, to defend water and 
protect it as, as much as they possibly can, do whatever they can for it. So that's what I hope comes of it today. Miigwech. Thank you so much. I have to say you had me at maple syrup. Uh, my brother-in-law is lucky enough to live on land with a lot of maple trees and has been make, making maple syrup. And now with his grandchildren, teaches them that uh, we actually learn that learn this from Indigenous people who came, came before us. So the land acknowledgement is not just what we say at the beginning of a meeting. It's how we live our lives, really, and how we make sure that we pass it along to the next generation. And Greg, you've been great at actually talking about that with your own children. <laughs> I'm trying. I've been, again, so grateful and so humbled to learn from people like Elder Dumont. My kids are five and eight, and these are things that we talk about. We were recently camping near Ganasatage at Oka, and we talked about everything that happened there and how it was an issue about sacred lands not being respected. I think that's what's really coming to the forefront for me today is that we all have an opportunity to learn, to learn about the territories on which we stand and to understand that the land was offered as a gift to provide for us. We have to be respectful of those gifts and we have to hold up our own end and we need to do a better job of that. So thank you, Elder Dumont, for sharing. It's good to be here. And thank you, Greg, for helping me navigate these important learnings. Elder Dumont, I can't express enough how grateful we are at the Royal College for your, your teachings and uh, for everything that you do for us, for your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, of course. I hope that you, our listeners, whether doctors or other members of a healthcare team, will take time to reflect and truly be honest when you next have an opportunity to acknowledge our land. Stay tuned for more episodes on the Royal College's efforts towards truth and re reconciliation and indeed on other topics that inspire our community. Please share this episode with your colleagues, peers, family, anyone who's keen to learn about this amazing land and our Indigenous predecessors. Quite simply, anyone who might benefit from understanding the true meaning of land acknowledgements. Specialty Scoop publishes once a month. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to share, rate, review. If you have any comments or suggestions for this podcast, contact us at fellowshipaffairs at royalcollege.ca. Until next month, thanks for joining us. Make a and goodbye.